0: two geeks two beers and a laptop episode 31 jim henson's the dark crystal and labyrinth
1: Hoggle, or I'll tip you straight into the bog ah, of eternal ah, stench before you can blink. Ah, yes, right. And Hoggle, if she ever kisses you, I'll turn you into a prince.
2: You,
1: you will? Prince of the land of stench.
3: <laughs> Almost overflowing. There you go. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.
2: Mm.
3: Ah. Oh. Well, hello,
0: and welcome to a brand new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers, and a Laptop, with myself, Tom, and my pal over here, Morgan. Hello. So I'm taking the reins this time, mm. um, with two films, have done a film for a bit, I don't think no, no lot of, of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Um, two films from the mind of Jim Henson, Ooh. but both very different to his kind of normal Muppet
3: history. I mean, it's a Muppet vibe, yeah. but it's yeah. uh, a dark twist yeah. on uh, the whole... Uh, Muppet phenomenon. Yeah. Now, as I prepared
0: for this episode, mm. I, I'm not sure yet. This could be a two-parter, depending on how long it goes on for. But okay. But it, it could be one in store. Well,
3: stay tuned. It could be the longest episode of Two Geeks yet, yeah. or part one of
0: a double bill. Exactly. So, this is about when movies went out of their way to sort of create real stuff, rather than, like, CGI and just, you know, it's, it's actual animatronics Good Sorry, yeah.
3: I, I get you. Because you say, like, yeah, this is this is all, all about the real. This is about the gritty realism. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I know what you're about to talk no. about. So I'm like, not really, mate. No, it
0: is The Dark Crystal Ooh.
3: and Labyrinth yeah. all together at once. Exciting. And I don't know if those two movies are linked in any way. I guess they're Jim Henson. Yeah. But I I always associated them even as a child as being yeah. kind of like they came as a pair. Yeah. And these days you can get them in like a DVD box yeah. set together.
0: They have lots of different connections, but mm. not necessarily directly at all whatsoever, Okay, but, yeah. okay. Um, So firstly the beers mm. um, Yes We've gone for A Pale Ale Yeah From Australia Ooh Little Creatures Little Creatures that kind of sums up The kind of vibe There's lots of little There's lots of little creatures, creatures In this movie both films so. We've had worse Yeah we've, we've had, had We've had well, much I going worse. to go for Hobgoblin But I think we've already done that I think that, we've done that um, You know so Yeah Cheers yeah. Cheers
3: This is a frothy ale I'll say that That is it. a
0: Pale Ale and a half 5.2% In case there's any beer nerds Out there <laughs> So, these are two films that are rather <clears throat> different in tone, mm. but they're well worth, I'd say, watching together as a double bill
3: if you have the time. So,
0: you know, what do you know of both? Right, I've
1: definitely
3: seen both. Yeah. Um, I know people go nuts for Labyrinth. Yeah. Labyrinth's one of those things like Muse and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, that when, you're, <laughs> when I was at uni, people went mental for Labyrinth. I think yeah. cause of, mainly because of Bowie.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, there weren't a lot of, you know, closet Jennifer... Connolly fans <laughs> in my uh, in my dorm it was a lot of yeah, yeah a lot of Bowie fans. Yeah. Um and so Dark Crystal but I I always remember preferring the Dark Crystal as a kid. Yeah. Um, I think Labyrinth was a bit too weird and it kind of freaked me out a little bit as a kid. Whereas Mommy said that Dark Crystal's pretty weird, but I always remember preferring the Dark Crystal. Um and I remember so so Labyrinth is David David Bowie and he kidnaps <laughs> Jennifer Connolly's baby brother yeah. and then he's like Come to my Labyrinth. Yeah. And then he sings some songs. Yeah. That's literally all I right know. Yeah. Dark Crystal, there's a couple of Muppets, uh, like, a, like, a, like a fella Muppet. <laughs> and, actual Muppets, And, like and a, stupid people. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Actual, like, like puppet. Yeah. There's a puppet fella yeah. and a puppet lady. And I think there's some, is there some evil birds or something. I, I, like, you're, weird, you're just about right. Weirdly, despite yeah. preferring that, I know less about it. Well, like,
0: I'd say Labyrinth was like, uh, I don't know, the Beatles. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, were, they had cross... Appeal for all sorts, right? Whereas Dark Crystal, the, like the Rolling Stones, oh, okay. it was a bit too serious. <laughs> you, right. know, you had to have a be a certain type of person, mm. but you know they they do share sev- similar themes, mm. the same creative team, mm. got similar concept art, they got the same composer, and they're all you know pure fancy gloriousness. Really. Mm. So the year before Dark Crystal came out, you had the Great Muppet Caper, which was, <laughs> which was Jim Henson's previous.
3: Which project. one was that? Like what what in the series? Uh,
0: <laughs> I think it's the one where they, is that the one where they're on the road trip or is that the first one?
3: Basically, uh, there's the Muppet movie. Yeah. Then I lose track until sort of Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Christmas Carol.
0: All of these Muppet films were on over Christmas and it was one of those ones where I I, I just sort of did that thing where I woke up at like 11 and then put on ITV. Classic and, Christmas and, fair. And this was on. I was like, quite enjoyed all this. Um, oh yeah, this is the one which had like John Cleese and Peter Falk and Peter Ustinov and all sorts of people. C- Columbus?
2: Stop the presses! Jim Henson Home Entertainment presents dirt called Don't Be Fantasy. It's be the movie be with something to... for everybody. <laughs> Adventure. We're just gonna have to go down there and catch those Steve red-handed. What color are their hands now? Romance. It's a frog, isn't it? Yes. Danger. <laughs> And champagne. Oh, if you put enough sugar in this stuff, it tastes just like ginger ale. Join those magnificent muppets in the who done that does it all? You want excitement? Jim Henson's
0: The Great Muppet Caper. Underrated the Muppets
3: films? Yeah, but,
0: one of those sort of series
3: which no one watched, but you know they it, it did its thing. But they went from from that. Yeah. To dark crystal. dark crystal. Yeah. Quite the departure.
1: The dark crystal. begins as a quest
2: you must find the shard the
1: crystal shard the crystal shard to save our world a wonderful fantasy adventure Into a mystical realm of sights and sounds. Enter the world of the dark
2: crystal.
0: What do you want to know? You want to know what this is all about? Is that it,
2: gentlemen?
1: Now from directors Jim Henson and Frank Oz and Gary Kurtz, the producer of Star Wars, comes a new dimension of fantasy and adventure. to another world another time in the age of wonder the dark crystal
0: so although it was kind of marketed as a family film mm. it was very much notably darker mm. than you know, his previous stuff mm. so be- very briefly because <laughs> otherwise we'll be here all day <laughs> yeah. the film revolves around Jen which is this sort of elf-like gelfling, as they're called. He's one of the little fellas you remember. Little fella, yeah. He's on a quest to restore balance to his alien world by returning a lost shard to a powerful but broken gem. Okay. Okay. So it was kind of a more sort of palatable version of Lord of the Rings, (laughs) but sort of more terrifying in its own way. Yeah. And if you want to know, a thousand years ago on the planet Thra, a magical crystal cracked and two new races appeared. Okay. You had the malevolent Skeksis, what, what? The Skexies. No, before that. Male- malelevant. The Malelevant. Skexies. Yeah. Who use the power of the dark crystal to continually <laughs> replenish themselves. Yeah. They're the little birds, the big birds. Oh, love, I was right, know, right, little the, big
3: yeah. bird fellas, yeah.
0: yeah. And then you also have the kind wizards called the Mystics. So okay. A shard cracked and it created these two races. Right. So Jen is on a quest to restore the balance and he eventually finds out that the two races were actually created when these tall, glowing beings who are known as the Euriskex. Euriskex basically sort of fucked up, and <laughs> accidentally sort of shattered the crystal long ago. So one of them was sort of walking around and sort of dropped it. Right. Splitting them into two races, and that was it. Alright. And so you had the, the baddies and the good. You know like in Red Dwarf, where it had like, the evil version of Red Dwarf and the nice version yeah. of Red Dwarf? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, this is quite a complex mythology know, for thing. For, it, for a
3: single children's it, film. And
0: this is such a brief way of me trying to explain <laughs> the plot to you, but it's kind That's of
3: That's probably important. Dark Crystal Nerd that I'd be like, uh, You've you, got you, nothing you, wrong you,
0: uh, you're fine, it's not that you it's the...
3: <laughs> it's the Eurosceptics. Yeah. you've missed you've missed some really important details. <laughs> well, of there. course
0: I have. But then it turns out that Jen's actions have helped fulfill the prophecy, and it restores them all together, and they become the, the proper race again. They, they oh, okay, okay, okay. All was right it's all about integration and acceptance. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the basic plot. And according to co-director Frank Oz, you know Frank Oz, He's Yoda, Yoda, and yeah. Miss Piggy, and all sorts. Yeah, oh, Miss Piggy. He co-directed this film with Henson. His intention was, Henson's intention was to sort of get back to the darkness of those grim fairy tales.
3: Ah, uh, got like, yeah, you know, okay. all those kind of stuff.
0: That's what he wanted to do. Mm. And he he believed that it was unhealthy for children to never be afraid. And that's our thing that we've said before, mm. how
3: kids like being scared. It's the whole ethos of Doctor Who, isn't it? Yeah. That, you know, the whole point is to give them a safe scare.
0: In Tolkien's Return of the Ring and, and a lot of Doctor Who have a
2: similar sort of themes. I think we're all drawing on the same uh, basic uh, mythic folklore fairy tale basis so there's something very solid about those kinds of stories I think they're stories that uh, that have a lot of layers of meaning that work for a lot of people that's why everybody keeps using them
0: now if you watch this film you'll know that it's it is bizarrely scary there are moments mm-hmm. in it where you watch it and go is that alright <laughs> they wouldn't do that now yeah. but I'll I'll, f- I'll show you a clip now okay. it's a bit where at the beginning of the film the skeptics there's big bird people yeah um, their emperor dies because he's really old, and it's just the way that they they depict his death.
3: Okay, this is this gonna freak me out? Yeah, little
0: bit.
2: All okay. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Horrible. Explain what you just saw there. then. Well, like,
3: he was sort of like you know choking to death, yeah. and then he died, and then his face just sort of disintegrated. I mean, yeah, that was that was a bit strong, wasn't it? <laughs> I think I sort of
0: first understood what death was by watching this film. <laughs> it was scenes like that, we just.
3: I learned going. about my own mortality from the Dark so Crystal. What
0: happened there, Mummy? Oh, well, yeah. the horrible bird man disintegrated into non-existence. Ah, uh. uh, right, so that's what happens, is it? Uh. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so, uh, originally, he wanted Henson wanted the these horrible Skeksy people to have their own kind of constructed language like right. in like, Lord of the Rings or... Klingon. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. With the dialogue subtitled in English. I
1: challenge! Hmm? hmm. Trial by stone.
2: Trial by stone!
0: Trial. Accounts differ as to who sort of constructed the language and what it was based on. Producer Gary Kurtz said that the sketches' language was conceived by author Alan Garner, who based it on ancient Egyptian, while screenwriter David O'Dell, he stated that it was he who created it, and that it was formed from Indo-European roots. So there's lots of different people who go, no, I did that, I did that, no, that was me. Uh, but then, even after all that, the idea was dropped entirely. Because after <laughs> test screening audiences, they were
3: like, that's far too distracting. I and mean, then everyone was like, it was that guy. No, yeah. it was that guy. No, it yeah, wasn't well, me at all what you talking
0: about. Brian Froude or Froud? I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm going to go for Froude because it looks, sounds better. He was the concept artist for both this and Labyrinth. Okay. And, and the characters are based on his drawings and mm. then they'll turn into these elaborate puppets. Now, mm. what I like about both things, both films, is that, like you just saw there, mm. It's actually there in front of you. you
3: yeah, it's it. animatronics and puppet puppet
2: work.
0: Yeah, no, you could look at it and go, oh, "That's a bit shoddy." But you it's always, it. but it's always got that physical presence yes. Yes. that CGI just doesn't have. You know, it's actually happening, and someone's yeah. gone out of their way to create that kind yeah. of
3: thing. Even when you have the most incredible CGI as you do in modern movies, mm-hmm. it just there's a bit of uncanny valley about it. You, yeah. you can tell it's just not like, quite there. It, the doesn't, the doesn't have,
0: it doesn't have weight. The worst one was um, so I am Legend. Mm. When Will Smith's battling those zombie things, zombie vampire, end, those zombie, that guy came out of
3: the end. He goes, yeah, sort of meant to believe that, that's, like realistic <laughs> or scary. But even incredible special effects, again. like going back to Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. If you just look at it, it looks incredible. Yeah. But when they interact with humans, it just yeah. it doesn't have nah. quite the same weight to it. I sort of. That's
0: one thing that Tim Burton one did better because it was the, the actual. The, yeah,
3: aspect. the prosthetics look great. Yeah.
0: But before its release this film was kind of billed as the first live-action film without any human beings on screen. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it was a dubbed a showcase for cutting-edge animatronics. Mm. I reckon that's, that's about accurate, because there aren't any, as far as I can tell, any human beings. Um, any hands and facial features of the puppets were kind of controlled by these... They describe it as primitive. I think it's. <laughs>
3: I think it's pretty damn sophisticated by these rods and cables. Okay, so they didn't do a they didn't do a Captain Scarlet, and whenever they cut to the hands, just have a human hand. Well, pop they in there. they
0: sort of did. Like, um, yeah, human performers inside the puppets supplied basic movement for the larger creatures. But in some cases, which was too dangerous or exhausting, for example, there are these Garth-themed beasts. Their costumes were so heavy that the performers had to be hung up on a rack every few minutes to rest. once While still inside their costumes. So you know, a lot of effort is, is gone into all mm. these things. So you know the Skeksis. Mm. Now here are the lovely Mystics in comparison. Okay. How would you describe these folks?
3: All right. So who's that one, that Lady Muppet who's in the band? Is it? Oh, Janice. Janice. They look it's like weirdly sexy. They look like they look like Janice,
0: like with a serious <laughs> right. eyebrow. It's like Janice's ancestors. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were apparently the hardest creatures to perform as the actors had to walk on their haunches with the right arm extended forward while the full weight, with their full weight of, of the head on, on them. So Henson himself tried it and he could only hold a position for about five to ten seconds.
3: But he was like, no, nah, you guys okay. have to do it. Remind me, what is a haunch if you're on your haunches? Oh, um, <laughs> is it your back? Is it the back? us say your back. Shall we say your back?
2: Haunch.
3: Haunch. Haunch. A buttock and thigh <laughs> considered together. Right, c- considered. Consider a but a buttock and thigh. Oh, I often right. consider a buttock and a thigh yeah. together. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, um, and then you had the gelflings, which were the right. two little the, the, sort of humanoid sort of people that you were thinking about. Later. The
3: the the uh, fella gelfling and the lady yeah, gelfling, yeah. who were the sort of two lead characters.
0: Yeah, they were meant to be the kind of most human creatures in the film. Yeah, and their movements uh, had to be as realistic as possible. So during their scenes, when their legs, well, this is what I was trying to get to earlier, when, mm. when their legs were off-camera, mm. the performers walked on their knees in order to make the characters' movements more lifelike. Ah, okay. Have you got a picture
3: of them now? Yeah, well, I just I just, I just googled... Uh, so, so I find, even though they're not meant to be scary, I mm. find these two strangely, bizarrely scary. Okay, I find the female Gelfling strangely attractive, but moving on from that...
0: I mean, you were like 10, so <laughs> that's fine.
3: There's also uh, <laughs> some rather cruel comparisons being made between the Gelflings and uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Oh, okay. Just that out yeah. there. If yeah. You, if, if, you, if you look that up, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. Here's
0: a little clip then. So, this is when Jen and Kira, as they are known, were together. I find them strangely creepy, but not as creepy as her sort of weird pet dog thing called Fizz Gig. So, see what you think of this little fellow. All right.
1: All right. Together then. <laughs>
2: Uh, no, no, fizgig. You stay here. Dolly. <groan> oh. Oh, all right. Come on. Tamar, Tamar. Tamar, Fizzgeek. Yeah. Tamar. Hang on, Jen. They go fast.
3: Was this film like a mainstream hit? Because I will be getting on this. Okay, because I'd forgotten quite how weird it was. Yeah. I loved it as a kid, but that... Yeah so was he called Fizz Geek? Yeah. he's like a little ball of fluff yeah getting but, angry but, but mostly a mouse yeah <laughs> uh, filled with you know horrifying fangs and then yeah. these two little flappy feet yeah really weird
0: well Jim Henson himself performed Jen the little boy right but Stephen Garlick was the voice do you know Stephen Garlick I don't because he played apparently Ibbotson in Doctor Who story Go on Mordrin Undead Oh Mordrin Undead yeah. Of course Peter, Peter Davison was... cl-
3: Well I was going to say classic The Peter Davison story
0: Right So he was in that He yeah. was apparently also in an episode of Mind. Uh And Kira Shah Was the body And he's often confused with of Deep Roy You know the uh, Yeah Because yeah, the, 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 they were both Dwarf Kenyan actors of Indian descent That is a, that if, is a, that is a niche
3: If I was Shah I'd be like oh, Fucking hell <laughs> Roy's back They must have been like Rivals They, they see yeah. each other from across the audition room They're like eyeing each other up uh, and Shah was also the double for
0: Elijah Wood in Lord of the Rings and Martin Freeman and Ian Holm as Bilbo. Oh. And he was also in Doctor Who as the mysterious figure in the Stephen Moffat scripted Listen. Oh. Of the latest seri- what, of the the last little, series. or
3: the little fella under, under the bedsheets? Yeah, so he, he, was, oh. he was that.
0: And it was also in Star Wars Force Awakens. He was Tido, a small, brutish scavenger. So he's done well for himself. Still working, still doing well. Still uh, Catherine Mullen, she performed Kira were with Shah again as the body, so he did both of them somehow. Doing Double Duty? Yeah, I don't know how they did that, but there you go. And it was Lisa Maxwell as her voice. Remind me. She's, um, look her up, you'll know her when I see it. Lisa when Maxwell, it. Well, the name rings a up. She about. was D.I. Samantha Nixon in the bill. Oh yeah? Yeah. yeah. And now a panellist in Loose Women. <laughs> yeah, so she was the voice of uh, Kira. She's currently in Hollyoaks. Uh, and i mentioned Frank Ozola, he Co- not only co-directed the movie, but he also what? puppeteered several characters, as did Dave Gonzo Goellers, as he did a few as well. Right, um, that was that's the guy who, who is Gonzo. And sort of that's not just like that's his not his nickname. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So getting on to what you were saying a minute ago, the yeah. film had limited appeal
3: with audiences <laughs> for various reasons. Yeah. You're like, so this so yeah. this film uh, had no human actors. <laughs> uh, it was pretty fucking weird, complicated and, as and, uh, fuck. Yeah, and uh, yeah, terrifying for really, children. Re- yeah, ter- really terrifying for children. A really dense mythology. Yeah. Funnily enough, it was not a big hit at the box office.
0: Yeah. Uh, For various reasons, including Mm. parental concerns about his dark nature, uh, creative connections with Henson's family-friendly Muppet franchise, Mm. you know. And apparently, you know, it was overshadowed by the film's competition over the Christmas of that year, at least at Christmas time, Mm. including Tootsie. Sure. But mainly, the massive ET, the extraterrestrial, came Ah. out around the same sort of time. Um, so you know, it received a mixed response upon its original release, but has earned a better reception in later years, and mm. becoming a favourite of fans of Henson and um, fantasy in general.
3: Because you know what, I watched ET the other day. That's only alright. Oh, <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll yeah. be, strung up for saying that, but you know, yeah, it's only, it's only alright. Yeah, it's, it's one of those films where if you,
0: you didn't watch it, I, I watch didn't watch it. Day. I didn't watch so as a kid. I somehow
3: yeah. ET escaped me, and so I watched ET for the first time when I was like twenty-seven, yeah. and I was like, that's alright. Yeah. yeah. <sighs>
0: Well that's the thing, I reckon both these films, if you mm. watch them for the first time now, you go, it's alright.
3: Well I think now, this would give me nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just just absorbed it into my you know, cranium at the time, It's totally fine. Well you're talking about another nightmare bit, I'm going to show you another bit which uh,
0: freaks me out. Oh great, we'll think about it. Yeah, keep, keep coming. It's when the Skeksis are using these little pod people, I can't remember what they're called, podlets or something like that? Mm. And they're essentially sucking the life essence out of them, so that they can stay young. Right. So uh, just...
2: Just take this in. <sighs>
0: your next little
2: podling. won't hurt. We just want to drain your living essence. Then you can be the same as the other podlings here, a slave. Open the wall. Now, (laughs) Mm
1: Paddy! Ah, yes! And now the beam will rid you of your fears, your thoughts, your vital essence. You're very lucky, slave. Only the
2: emperor can drink your essence. He's here. Close it, slave. He's ready. Very fresh. Very strong. Sire.
0: That's heavy. Aimed at children. That's heavy. So in that, in that clip, the uh, as I say, there's a little, little podling who's like little, the cutest ador- thing ever. Adorable little podling, little button eyes. Getting his life, life essence sucked out of him. Yeah. And did they have to include the bit where he sort of breathes ever so slightly. Yeah. Like they made a puppet go out of their way to breathe. <laughs> and then he stops breathing. A little stifled breath. And his little hands just sort of going, eh. Was this film deeply irresponsible? I'm starting to feel that way. Maybe. I think it just makes kids back then, including myself, just a bit, you know. Are well, d- you ready for life's horrible
3: essence? Yeah, you ready
0: for life's horrible essence? <laughs> <laughs> so Henson and producer Odell had spoken of making a sequel and a draft for, the, for a film titled The Power of the Dark Crystal was ah. produced but ultimately plans in the end were scrapped and an unproduced screenplay will be adapted into a 12-issue comic book series The Power of the Dark Crystal ah. to be re- released later this year. Plus but yeah, yeah Okay In May 2017 It was announced That the Jim Henson Company In association with Netflix produce a prequel series Titled The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance <laughs> Shooting is scheduled See so,
3: right 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 When you were talking about um, the, the planned sequel Yeah I was well, also going to be called cool. The Darker Crystal Yeah Dark Crystal 2 Dark Crystaller But then, I was like <laughs> Oh okay yeah 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 um, Power of the Dark Crystal That's right, what imaginative. imagine And then what's this one Dark right. Crystal Age of Resistance Retiration. Dark Crystal Retaliation Retaliation <laughs> Retaliation is always the one we go for when it comes to yeah, a, a, yeah. Co- a colon and a lazy uh, sequel title. It's
2: probably the hardest thing that I've ever worked on. I had think of it as sort of a work of art. It's something hundreds of people created. It's a wonderful texture and depth to this world. It was the most work, it was the most difficult, but it was the most fun, it was the most rewarding. And of all projects, it's the one that I'm the most proud of.
0: The shooting's scheduled to begin this autumn. Uh, and, it, and it was written by several people, can't be bothered to name the name. <laughs> There'll be 10 episodes, and the series would explore the world created for the original movie. So it's right in a weird way they have to go this way around because the end meant that the two races didn't exist anymore and everything was nice. Yeah. So this is kind of before they have to do when everything before. is horrible still. Yeah. And, you know, so, Well, I am. I'm surprised that there's enough demand. But Netflix can do whatever they want. Really. Netflix
3: just throw money at yeah. things. You know, I, you know, I'm excited. i excited. I am on the edge of my haunches right now. <laughs> my buttocks and thighs are but sweaty with excitement. I don't know much about it, but I just hope that
0: they keep up the whole Jim Henson legacy of keeping it animatronic.
3: And... Well, you said the Jim Henson company's involved. Yeah. So there'll be no, none of this CGI silliness. Yeah. So I enjoyed Dark Crystal as a kid, but I didn't watch it that often because yeah. it was terrifying. Well I was I was you Now maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a rewatch before yeah. before the Netflix should, series launches. Should. I don't know if I want to now, it's gonna kind of
2: freak me out a little bit, I'll be honest.
0: But I did love these kind of scary sort of fantasy movies of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, you had yeah. Never Ending Story, yeah. Princess Bride, yeah. Legend, Willow, Time Bandits, Return to Oz. Oh, good times. And good best good times. of all was Henson's follow-up,
2: mm. Labyrinth. Mm. <laughs>
3: missed there while the clip played was Tom getting almost a little bit aroused <laughs> by, by, the, by the nostalgia rush from watching the opening of Labyrinth just it's, sort of a bit like
0: oh, it's just, oh yeah so
3: good there's something about it because it's like it's one of the first
0: films or anything that I was aware of as, as a sentient being <laughs> uh, as I was a kid just watching this going it just distilled I know it's one of those things where you know when you, you know something as a kid and it 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 bites into your history and you just it, it creates certain emotions yeah. and you know that if you try and give it to someone else who's not really seen it before yeah. they won't get it and they won't have the same relationship no, with exactly. you right. Yeah, but for me personally this is one of my all time favourites but one of your all time favourite movies? Yeah, oh, oh, okay. because of a
2: childhood connection. Yeah, I, if I that's... watched
3: it for first time now, I don't know. If it, if it, yeah. if it bit into your history, yeah. then, <laughs> then, that, then that's fine.
2: TriStar Pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents. Jim Henson, creator of The Muppets and Dark Crystal. Ah! where you go with a head like that? Hmm? George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. Hmm. And one of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. (laughs) Together, they will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure.
1: There's nothing to be afraid of.
2: A world where anything seems possible and nothing is what it seems.
1: Everything I've done I've done for you I move the stars with no one
2: You The world of Labyrinth
0: so, four years later from Dark Crystal, this is a much more family-friendly movie, mm. with a lot more humour, but it still had its kind of dark moments, mm. and it took on a musical tilt, and George Lucas yeah. was an executive producer on this film. Oh, okay. Henson directed it, with Monty Python's Terry Jones writing the script, and Trevor Jones, who did the sc- uh, score for the th- uh, Dark Crystal, was back as composer, and Brian Froud was back as designer, and of course, David Bowie, starred as the Goblin King himself, Jareth. David Bowie. <laughs> The film, the film revolves around 15 year old Sarah, mm. Jennifer Connolly, in her first movie role. And it's her quest to reach the centre of an enormous otherworldly maze to rescue her infant brother Toby, who uh, Sarah wished away. She was like, oh, I'm fucking sick of this little kid. I wish someone would just take him away. And so he's, he's like, I'll, I'll take him away. Yeah, so and David Bowie. Jaron was like, I'll take him to the centre of the labyrinth. And so, with the exception of Connolly and Bowie, Most of the film's significant characters are played by puppets. Okay. Uh, So I'll just show you the intro now to get you into the mood.
1: Do you still want to look for him? Is that the castle beyond the Goblin City? Turn back, Sarah. Turn back before it's too late. I can't. Don't you understand that I can't? What a pity. It doesn't look that far. It's further than you think. Time is short. You have 13 hours in which to solve the labyrinth before your baby brother becomes one of us forever. Such
3: a pity. Right, first of all, it sort of, that sort of strikes me as maybe like a bit of a dark sort of twisted weird take on the Wizard of Oz a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. Um, she's quite, quite Dorothy yeah. second of all now my Bowie impression is not my best <laughs> but in that film he's in a better of he, no 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 he, saddened, he sounds like my bad impression <laughs> of Bowie he's like he'll say turn back Sarah forget about the baby of <laughs> David Bowie it's one of those things with David
0: Bowie is that you watch it back and you think with anyone else this would just be laughable but yeah. somehow even though it's hilarious yeah. it's sort of weirdly sort of sexy and cool at the same time. Like, yeah, he's the only one who could do the laughing gnome and it's perfectly <laughs> fine and like it's cool that. I'm not sure that
1: was perfectly cool and fine. Oh <laughs> i you got a gnome to go to? No,
2: no.
1: Didn't they need you to get your hair cut at school? You look like a rolling gnome.
2: Yeah, at the school of Econ,
3: he's clearly he's clearly having a wonderful time. Right. But, uh, yeah
0: no it's spectacular. So the film started as a collaboration between Henson and Froud with ideas for the first for the film first being discussed when they were actually watching a screening of Dark Crystal, <laughs> yeah,
3: they were like, <laughs> it's shit. Uh, should, should, we talk about, should we talk about Labyrinths? <laughs> I feel bad, I feel like we're shitting on the Dark Crystal. So Terry
0: Jones, he wrote the first draft of the film, uh, drawing on Frowl's sketches for inspiration. But then various other script writers, including Laura Phillips, who had previously written several episodes of Fraggle Rock, George Lucas, Dennis Lee, and Lane May, they subsequently rewrote and made additions to the screenplay although Jones received the film's sole screenwriting credit. So even though loads of other people actually wrote it and sort of changed it, he was the only one that got the credit. So after being joined on her quest to find Toby, the, her uh, uh, brother, by a dwarfish man named Hoggle, I lost my head. A large friendly beast named Ludo. Our friend, Sir Didymus, an anthropomorphic fox, and his old English old
3: English sheepdog named Ambrosius. Stop. <laughs> Stop! I say. It makes sense. When you sure, watch it. sure, sure. No, I'm just marveling at the fact that you managed to mangle Malevolent earlier, <laughs> but you nailed anthropomorphic. <laughs> just after after a, few years. After a few beers. Uh, Sarah yeah. is able
0: to defeat Jareth uh, by reciting the lines from her play that have told her adventure up until that point, and she finally remembers the line, "You have no power over me." Defeated at the last minute, Jareth goes, ah. <laughs> and he returns Sarah and Toby home, and turns into a barn owl for some reason and oh. flies away.
1: Give me the child. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now. But I can be cruel. Generous? What have you done that's generous? Everything. Everything that you wanted, I have done. You asked that the child be taken. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening. I have reordered time. I have turned the world upside down, and I have done it all for you. I am exhausted from living up to your expectations. Isn't that generous? Through dangers and tolls and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City. For my will is as strong as yours. And my king- Wait. Look, Sarah. Look what I am offering you. Your dreams. And my kingdom is great. I ask for so little. Just let me rule you. And you can have everything that you want. Kingdom
2: is great.
1: fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. My kingdom is great. My kingdom is great.
2: You have no power over me.
0: So on paper, mm. all of that, the film makes little sense. It doesn't really have much of a plot, really. Weird guy comes along, nicks a baby because this girl wanted him
3: to. Yeah. Went off. What was his What was his hope with the What was I his plan know. for the baby?
0: Well, he wanted to, to rule the world with her as his by side, right. and Whatever. But it's kind of it's it's more of a kind of metaphor as yeah. for growing up and yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah, it's all that kind of stuff. But it's just, as I say, it's one of those films, I don't know if I'd like it as much if I watched it now, but it's just an ultimate feel-good romp, and I just think, with Bowie at the helm,
3: mm. you know, he's just a master in it. And we talked before about how there were different people considered, right, so yeah. it was yeah. almost Michael Jackson... Yeah, loads of different uh, people. Sting was another one, right? Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Um, it would have been very different. Uh, well, the character of Jareth, he underwent uh, very different developments during the early stages mm. of, of the production of the film. And he was only ever meant to be another puppet creature ah. in the same vein as various goblins. I Never know. But he eventually decided he wanted to cast a big sort of charismatic star to mm. play him. And he then wanted a musician to do it because he liked the idea of having songs. So yeah, he had Sting, Prince, Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson were all considered. But Jagger, I'd love, ja- end, I'd love to see Jagger. Bowie was up for it. And in terms of Sarah, auditions for her began way back in April 84. Helena Bonham Carter auditioned, way before she was famous. But it was ultimately decided that they wanted American to to play, don't know why, but there you go. And it had other people, including Jane Krakowski of Ally McBeal fame. Of Ally McBeal
3: and uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt fame. Yasmeen Bleeth
0: of Baywatch fame. Yasmeen Bleeth! Uh, you're just saying that because you're in love with Yasmeen Bleeth.
1: Well, how could anyone not be in love
3: with Yasmeen Bleeth?
0: Sarah Jessica Parker, Sex and City fame. Yeah. Marisa Tomei of uh, now *Spider-Man* fame. Yeah. Laura Dern. Of Jurassic yeah. Park she and, and, in, and uh, Twin she? Peaks fame. It's only a few years later. I'm sure doing Jurassic Park. Uh, Ali Sheedy of uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who Maddie Corman is.
3: Let's have a look. I, I feel like everyone's been a fame so far. Yeah. We can't we can't let poor Maddie Corman go. Maddie Corman of 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 Almost Labyrinth fame. <laughs> Maddie Corman of almost. Do you know? What, I'm looking at Wikipedia, and it's pretty much uh, Maddie Corman of Almost Labyrinth fame. Uh, she was in the. John, she looked like Jennifer Corman? She was in the. John Hughes' film Some Kind of Wonderful, opposite Eric Stoltz. Okay, go, go, for that.
0: It was also Mike McFly almost. Yes. So, of these, Kukowski, Sheedy, and Corman, Maddie Corman. Cole, cool, she always They heard. were considered to be the top candidates, but 14 year old actress Jennifer Connolly was ultimately chosen to play Sarah as she won Henson Hoover.
3: I remember all of it. It
1: was, uh, you know, it's an amazing experience. It was like a wonderland for me working on that film. You know, I mean, it was. I think I was 14 and we filmed in England and we had these these studios, I mean
2: huge
1: sets. They were
3: huge, beautifully designed and executed sets and and then they were filled with puppets.
1: I mean it was just magical, you know, for a kid. And the crew was so nice and I loved Jim Henson and David Bowie was so sweet to me and it was great. It was really
3: wonderful to be. Probably more fun than Watching the film it was a really
1: special experience. Making it,
0: he so was only fourteen at the time, playing against David Bowie, who was clearly, you know, older. And they had that scene where they're kind of romantically involved. There's a sort of weird. There's there's lots of things in the film that you watch it and go. None of this would happen at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a few influences on the film. Uh, critic Richard, Richard Corliss noted the film appeared to have been influenced, as you say, by The Wizard of Oz and the works of Maurice Sendak, writing Labyrinth lures a modern Dorothy Gale out of the drab Kansas of real life into a land where the wild things are. Mm. See? And uh, Nina Darnton wrote that the plot of Labyrinth is very similar to Outside Over There by Mr. Sendak, in which nine-year-old Ida's babysitter is stolen by the goblins. But, in the film itself, copies of Outside Over There and Where the Wild Things Are are shown briefly in Sarah's room at the start of the film, along with Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz, a book by Hans Christian Anderson, a grim fairy tale, and Snow White.
3: This is perfect for you, because you do love all this whimsical shit, don't you? You love yeah, where yeah, the wild things yeah, are and all, yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very autumnal and, and wistful and all that. Kind of stuff. <laughs> so in terms of Bowie getting involved in the first
0: place, mm. Terry Jones said that his involvement had a significant impact on the direction of the film in general. So Jones had originally intended for the audience to not see um, the centre of the labyrinth at all in, until Sarah reached it. As he felt that doing so robbed the film of a, a significant hook. So, with the thought of Bowie starring the film in mind, Tennyson decided he wanted Gareth to sing and appear throughout the film, something Jones considered to be the wrong decision. Mm. Uh, despite his misgivings, Jones rewrote the script to allow for songs to be performed throughout the film. And I just find that really odd as a writer, you've got to go, I've got to find a bit for a
3: song to be sung. But Bowie wrote the song. Right? Yeah. So did he just write song here. Yeah, song here. Yeah, yeah. He's like, fine, I'll do it. I'll I'll do it. I'll undergo this massive rewrite. Song here. So, yeah, a little bit of wait, song here.
0: There are lots of different changes. The early script um, saw Jareth enter Sarah's house in the guise of another guy who was like the author of a play she was performing in, which sort of makes a lot more sense when you see it because she's sort of reciting lines. You think, know, what is she reciting? I don't know what she's doing. Right. So that kind of made a bit more sense. Um, and she doesn't wish for her brother to be taken away by the goblins, and Jareth just sort of snatches her away against her will rather than her going, oh, I'm sick of him, take him away. <laughs> So it was all quite different in that regard. Jarath was originally very sort of villainous, whereas he's not really like a baddie. He is. Bowie's well, too charming. But he's, he's so charming, you go, oh, let him do what he wants. Yeah. You know, if he wants to hang out with a load of goblins <laughs> in a weird little world, then that's fine. Uh, and the redrafted script, he was sent to Bowie, who found that it... Do you say Bowie or Bowie? I would say Bowie. It's Bowie. It's David yeah. Bowie. Thanks, you're right. He found it, it lacked humour and considered stepping away because he didn't, yeah. didn't like it. So, to ensure that he stayed with it, Henson asked Terry Jones to sort of change it, to make it a bit more funny. I love that, that he went, Terry Jones and Monty Python? Yeah. (laughs) Make it funnier, please. Yeah. Bowie's not not funny enough. Yeah. So, as you might expect, at the early stages of filming this film, uh, both Connolly and Bowie found it kind of tricky to sort of interact naturally with a load of puppets. Right. Can you imagine just sort of doing that? Like, you're not an actor as as it is, Mm. as David Bowie, and you've got to sort of perform in front of these people operating all these little fellas <laughs> and he told uh, Movie Line at the time I had some initial problems working with Hoggle and the rest because for one thing what they say doesn't come from their mouths but from the side of the set or from behind you whereas Connolly said it was a bit strange working almost exclusively with puppets in the film but I think both Dave and I got over <laughs> Dave that yeah, Dave Bowie and yeah. just took it as a challenge to work with these puppets so there you go
1: I've always felt, for a long time now, I felt that that rock and and cinema were were destined to meet. I I think MTV has subsequently become a proven ground that people will watch music and action for considerable lengths of time. Um, But I think there's a a certainly opening up in in the cinema, the combination of music and, and, uh, and performance.
0: But obviously, one of the main reasons I love this film so much is uh, Debbie Bowie's music. Mm. Uh, and The songs, obviously, were written by him himself. He had Underground, which was kind of the intro music, and he released that as a single.
2: Life can't be easy.
1: It's not always well. Don't tell me, truth hurts, little girl. Cause it hurts like
0: hell. Cause Chilly Down, which was the one with the little fire creatures, right? and one of them was voiced by Danny John Jules, ah, from the character Warf. of Red
2: Wolf. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, as the World Falls Down, which is, uh, might as well say that now, it's a song I recently performed, that's one of my best friends winning. Yeah? Yeah. <sighs>
3: I'm sure you nailed it, I'm sure it was every bit as good as yeah. Bowie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on there somewhere. It's on YouTube somewhere. It's on YouTube, right? you can track it down if you're yeah. if you're a real two geeks addict.
0: And in, in my opinion, his labyrinth output, David Bowie, was underrated. I always think when they ever do greatest hits compilations, it's always
3: forgets the was, there, was there was that did he release the labyrinth soundtrack as a David Bowie yeah. album? Yeah. Right. Yeah. For some reason not. I guess it was I guess it's seen as more of a sort of a gimmick, I guess. Yeah. I mean, all, yeah. yeah. Shouldn't be ashamed by it. No. This is why.
1: You're me it's a babe. Babe with the power. A power of
2: voodoo do. you do My
1: me the babe
2: what?
1: <laughs> a goblin babe <laughs> well
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: saw my baby crying for the babe could cry what could I do my baby's love has
2: Fail to, to
0: use slime and snails
2: Or puppy of snails Thunder or loitering <laughs> And Baby said Dance, magic,
1: dance Dance, magic, dance Dance, magic, dance let that thing me ah.
0: At that. It's one of those yeah. films where I love it mm. uh, and, but then if I, I imagine sort of sitting down and watching it with someone. You know when you, you're it's either going out with someone or it's yeah. your mate and, and you're, you're like, sitting down this with is my and saying, like, oh, I love this I love film, it. I can't yeah. wait to show up to you yeah. and you're watching it with them and you're looking at their reaction <laughs> and you're watching it and then as you're watching it and you're going, because sat down and watched it with anyone before and oh, no. you're like, oh my god is this, it's not shit <laughs> but, <laughs> it's an acquired taste. Yeah, If he, you're not. he's not nine years old.
3: He's not in the 80s. I feel like this film might have been derailed slightly by the presence of David Bowie. Yeah? Spectacularly. Like, 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 it went off in a totally different direction, and in a brilliant direction. Yeah. But I feel like the presence of Bowie completely shaped what this film is. Especially
0: the Bowie bulge in this film. What's the Bowie because bulge? Do I want to know? Every time he's on screen, he's wearing these, uh, certain trousers which give away that. Oh, Blimey. It is a quite a crotch. Yeah. Apparently, that was a decision made by the producers oh, on purpose. That was done on purpose. So, what were there animatronics involved? <laughs> Maybe who knows. Yeah. But they went out of the way to make sure his his uh, girth was seen. All so right. Yeah. So, like Dark Crystal, the film was a box office disappointment. <laughs> it yeah. only grossed uh, twelve million in its in the US, mm. and it was just a commercial failure. And apparently. It because it, that came after Dark Crystal mm. both of which just didn't do very well mm. and they put in so much effort into these films yeah. it just sort of demoralised Henson to the extent that apparently his, his son Brian later he said that at the time of the film's release it was just one of the most difficult periods in his dad's life and he just it was the last film he
3: ever directed until he died oh, in 1990 that's like, awful because we oh. never saw it become oh. the cult hit it I was. Know, I know we had a bit of fun at Doc Crystal's expense, yeah. but that was like a, a sort of seminal movie. Yeah. Labyrinth, if anything, even more so. I wish you yeah. would known that it would become this yeah. cult classic. Again, mixed response, but it became oh, a cult I wish, I wish Jim Henson had been in, you know, yeah. a university dorm, yeah. with all those people smoking a bit of weed, yeah. watching Labyrinth, <laughs> yeah. loving it. But strong DVD
0: sales of Labyrinth prompted uh, rights holders, the Jim Henson company, and Sony Pictures to look into making a sequel. Um, Strong DVD sales. Yeah, so, so recently. Well, yeah, in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. And Curse of the Goblin King was briefly used as a placeholder title as, as a potential sequel. I never knew this. Now. However, the decision was ultimately taken to avoid making a direct sequel and instead produce a fantasy film with a similar
3: atmosphere, mm. whatever you want to call that. And the fantasy author, Neil Gaiman, your mate. <laughs> I love you. Is it Gaiman or Gaiman? It's Gamer. Gaiman. It's, it's Bowie and Gaiman. Yeah. Uh, I love you fantasy author, Neil Gaiman. We, we know who Neil Gaiman is <laughs> on this show. And artist Dave McKean were called in to... So Dave McKean, um, did, Dave McKean did The, the
2: Sandman ah, with Neil Gaiman. Ah, I
0: see. So that's a good team. Okay, so they were called in to write and direct a, a film in similar spirits labyrinth but it ended up becoming Mirror Mask
3: oh jesus what went wrong yeah what, uh, what went wrong so
0: that was released in selected theatres in 2005 and uh,
3: do you know what actually I I, I I Mirror Mask is kind of a, it's a bit of a, a, a less so but a bit, it's a bit of a cult classic yeah is, is Mirror Mask are you using Mirror Mask again yeah Mirror Mask uh, it, it's, it. it's a early role for Rob Bryden in, right. in Mirror Mask and uh, and Gina McKee.
2: somewhere Between her imagination and reality, there is a portal beyond which all of her dreams and all of her creations come to life.
1: I don't really know where I am. Follow me.
0: It's a gateway on which the whole world balances.
2: From the imagination of the Jim Henson Company, the creators of the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth,
0: keep talking about a charm. What kind of a charm?
2: It's the spellbinding fantasy of award-winning writer and master storyteller, Neil Gaiman.
1: It's my dream. Charm was a mirror mask.
2: The directorial vision of renowned illustrator, Dave McKeon.
1: She needs to grow up and come home. Go and eat. <laughs> come on, maestro. This is our big finish.
2: Experience an unforgettable journey through a world filled with magic, fantastic creatures, and illusion. Mirror Mask.
0: It wasn't until January of last year, 2016, that Sony Pictures announced that a reboot was in development. I, yeah, I do, this I do remember. With Lisa Henderson as producer and Nicole Perman attached as a screenwriter. However, Perlman later confirmed on Twitter that while she is working on an elaborate project with the Jim Henson Company, it was not a remake or a reboot.
3: Uh, reimagining.
0: So, uh, Perlman also discussed the timing of the rumours in conjunction with David Bowie's death mm. and said, Henson Company and I started talking in late 2014 so the timing of these rumours is very upsetting. I
3: would never seek to profit from Bowie's death. It's... As I say, the, the fi- no matter how it was intended originally, yeah. the final film is such a like a Bowie vehicle, it's yeah. so much carried by Bowie, yeah. that you can't really do any kind of sequel or remake or even a no. film with a similar atmosphere because it's so much hinges on Bowie.
0: But it's one of those things where, again, it has so much like fan fiction mm. and um, anime and all that mm. kind of stuff of turning what is essentially a kids movie with mm. songs in it mm. to this weird sort of sexy sort of anime.
3: Um, you cannot you cannot say that the original labyrinth was not sexy. You just show me Bowie's Bulge. <laughs> I've seen Bowie's Bulge in my but you own. You know eyes. what I mean? If you go on DeviantArt Art or anything and search a labyrinth you get all these. Don't go on DeviantArt, Art, <laughs> what are you thinking?
0: Never go on DeviantArt Um But on April in April this year, uh Feddy Alvarez was confirmed to direct and co write a script. So there is still a project coming of some description. Mm. What it will be I don't know.
3: Duncan so, Jones could direct,
0: maybe, maybe. Give yeah, it his, his approval, stamp of approval. I think it would have to be a thing where it's in the same universe, but it's a totally different film. Mm. There's no point trying to do another musical or anything like that. Mm. Just, just start fresh. Keep the same sort of idea.
3: If you were going to do a sequel or a semi-sequel, would you include maybe like a grown-up version of Toby, or would you forget about the baby, <laughs> <laughs> which way <which they laughs> you is
2: it?
0: Uh yeah, I uh, you'd have to have someone from the family, Can't and if it good, is Toby, it means you can have anyone play yeah. Toby. So it yeah, is, you know, fine. So do you want a few labyrinth facts? Go on. You yeah. Always love facts. Hit and me. Say hi. <laughs> you know that owl in this title sequence? It's uh, yeah. Um, it's computer generated. It's the first attempt at a photorealistic CGI animal character in any feature film. Wow. A little fact for you there. Mm-hmm. And if you watch it back, you like you get looking again. Go, pretty, pretty damn good. Pretty good. From 1986. That's pretty good. Um, you know, you saw Jared play with the crystal balls earlier. Yeah, yeah. Not we're, not talking, we're not talking about his balls. No, you
3: know? no, Just Jared's crystal
0: balls. He's like rolling them around with yeah. his hands. and It was pretty slick. Not but Not David Bowie, but not camera tricks or any kind of special effects. They're actually done by choreographer Michael Moshen. He was an accomplished juggler and he was just sort of crouched behind Bo with his arms around him and there's so a sort of, he couldn't <laughs> see
3: what he was doing. Oh, that, his, that, his face was right on oh. David Boy's back, going, Egh. That old literally that old trick where you put your hands yeah. th- through someone's arms and just sort of go, nice oh, me and touch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, near where the magic dance occurred, in the scene where Toby is seated on uh, Jareth's Jarath's lap, mm. the baby has sort of a fixed and hypnotised look mm. off camera. In reality, the baby who played Toby, also called Toby, screamed so much during the many takes of the scene that something had to be done to keep him quiet. So fortunately, a crew member had a glove puppet, Sooty. Right. So for the, the duration of Jarrah's speech, David Bowie apparently was actually holding a Sooty puppet on, on one of his hands out of shot, just trying to distract Toby. So yeah. it, it looked like he was in trance, but he was just looking at the Sooty.
3: Was wow. was, the, was the baby... Was, or was the character called Toby after the real yeah. baby? Because they were like... He won't he won't react, he won't give us the acting performance we need if we call him Dave. <laughs> yeah. He's going Toby, Toby, do your acting. He's like, oh, I'm on. I'm well, on.
0: The baby who plays Toby is Toby Froud, son of Brian Froud, yeah. who's the designer. We um me and my mates at uni, or a few of us, we thought it was a hilarious idea to convince people that I was the baby in Labyrinth because there's one photo of me as a kid right. wearing the same sort of striped red and white uh, so, baby's robe There's a photo of me as a, as a baby where I like baby the- <laughs> look like the baby from Labyrinth We all look like the baby <laughs> from Labyrinth Yeah, but I was wearing the same outfit right. and so we managed to convince people that yeah, I was just... I was, they, I, was, I, was a ba- I was a baby Did, did they not just
3: Google it?
0: Oh, probably not I think it was before the days of...
3: <laughs> Google <laughs>
0: Google Right, I'm not that old like, no, <laughs> I think it was a good year before people were going You're actually the baby <laughs> Who are you talking about? Of course well, not what, what, what did you get out of this? Absolutely nothing. laugh. No,
3: nah, laugh.
0: No, no action or anything. And, right. they, were like,
3: and then they were like, whoa, what do you remember? Well, nothing, I was a baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was foolproof. So seen was David a baby Bowie. Oh. No, he was uh, wearing sooty. I was, yeah, I was, I was a baby. That's yeah. foolproof, that.
0: Good plan. Yeah. Um, the puppet Hoggle, one of the best characters in the film, hmm. he was lost in transit uh, after the film and is now still on display at the Unclaimed Baggage Center in Alabama. What? So where they found him, they just, they just left put him. him on display. So it's like a little mini museum. If you go if you find yourself in the yeah. Unpaid Baggage Center in Alabama, <laughs> have a look, you'll find Hoggle, a little display. And uh, Gates Mcfadden,
3: you
2: know her?
0: Um Beverly Fr- Crusher, Crusher D- uh, yeah,
3: TNG them. What? What? Yeah. A little weirdo, little fat. Beverly Crusher from Star yeah. Trek: Next Generation just hanging out with Bowie yeah. with this, with sooty. So <laughs> this is this is this p- picture. You got Bowie yeah. as Jared. Yeah. Some bloke's got his arms behind him juggling. He, on Bowie's actual hand is sooty, and Beverly Crusher from Star Trek: Next Generation is 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 yeah, the there's well, she was known as Cheryl McFadden
0: back then. There she is.
3: All right. Yeah. Yeah, get Before she earned the Gates moniker. Yeah.
0: So, there you go, there's uh, two fancy epics for you. Oh, I feel suitably spun out after that. Yeah. Yeah. They're of its era. Yeah. Both very entertaining. Um, highly recommended.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, if you're listening to this, both of those films bit into your history <laughs> as, <laughs> as violently as they bit into time. That made sense to me whilst I was saying it. <laughs> I like it. I don't think it's a phrase that's ever been up before, but I think we should make it a thing. It, you know it's when someone's like it really moved me it really it bit into my it history it really just bit it, it really people say like it really got into my got under my skin but like, that doesn't really make any sense so let's say it bit into your history I like it
0: oh, well there you go so I highly recommend watching both of those uh, if you can so that's about it. Um, thanks as ever for joining us. Thank you. Um, head over to our website, which is 2Geeks2Beers.com mm. If you want to listen to the rest, and we're also on iTunes. iTunes, iTunes.
3: What well, you can do on iTunes, yeah. which is a l- um, lovely little uh, innovation. We say this every time, and no one's done it yet. <laughs> please do this. You can you can rate and review us. Please do. I mean, that's a fact. Because you have to be a, You have faff. to log
0: in as your yeah. iTunes account. It is however, a faff. But please. Go rate on, us out on. of five don't rate us out of
3: one or whatever. No. What? people are going to teach us a lesson they'll be like yeah. keep going on five.
1: I'll rate you <laughs> one, out of one out
3: of five how do you like that <laughs> drunken <laughs> ramblings about labyrinth and dark crystal how do you like
0: that uh, we're also obviously on facebook and twitter at yes, two geeks cast
3: please follow us on there Yeah. oh and, and send us um, an email yes with, with, uh, some people have sent feedback send us feedback why not yeah. it's fun um, and, and if you've got ideas for topics we should tackle in future yes. episodes send it to podcast at
0: com. so we'll be back next time mm. with a Morgan episode <laughs> won't say what it is but we give a tease without saying what it is
2: uh, what uh, realm is it
3: it's, it's sort of it's television we're back in television but it's also a, a sort of tangential comic book link as well it's a comic book TV show
0: okay. you, that's what I'll give you alright well, I will leave you with... I mean, it was an easy choice for me because I'm doing a, a musical film, essentially, is mm. one of my choices, so... You've got plenty to choose from. Um, I'll go with a song which I did sing at my best friend Sam's uh, wedding. Yeah, uh, It's a lovely song, sung by David Bowie. Oh, we're going to so hear, hear your version. we are not hearing my version. Oh, I will hear your ah, It's a lovely ballad, which, again, I'll say it, should be included in all David Bowie Greatest Hits Compilations. It's one yeah. of his best ever songs, bar none. Uh, as the World Falls Down. So we'll uh, see you next time. Enjoy yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.
2: Cheers. There's such a sad love Deep in your eyes It kind of pale you Open and closed within your eyes I'll place the sky within your eyes There's such a... Sing so fast in search of new dreams A love that last within your heart I'll place the moon within your heart As the pain sweeps through, makes no sense To love. We're choosing